0: Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway.
1: And I'm Cameron Conway.
0: And this podcast is a very personal look at personal finance in Canada. Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway here with Cameron Conway. And today we're going to talk about doing a no-spend challenge.
1: Yes, I was outvoted. I want to do a spend everything challenge, but Christine said it'd be better for the on to do the no spend challenge.
0: Well, seeing as we're talking about financial responsibility and seeing as more and more Canadians are stressed about their finances... It seems to be that uh, no spending versus spending everything would help people out a little bit more. And I'm referring back to FP Canada's, one of the surveys that they conducted last fall, where they essentially said there's quite a few people out there. According to their survey, 51% of Canadians were concerned about their current financial state. So when we as financial planners hear about this, we go financial planner to the rescue. And we try and figure out how to solve this problem for people.
1: That's right. So FP Canada is the governing body behind financial planners. They do a lot of research into uh, people spending, saving, all the other kind of stuff. And if you want to know how accurate that these surveys can be, just look back at our episode a couple weeks ago about how to lie with statistics.
0: <laughs> That's right. Even though we're using um, as our core material is survey done by FP Canada, which is of course a very reputable organization and one that I've been a long time member of as a financial planning professional. Uh, Of course, there are always going to be biases, there are always going to be sample size issues, things like that. But the gist of it is that more and more of you out there are saying that there are patterns of spending that you're maybe not aware of on the day to day. And when FP Canada conducted this survey, essentially what they found is that there are ways that spending is kind of sneaking into people's lives and it goes unnoticed, right? So it's, we do a lot of automation in our own lives to make things easier, we're all into the set it and forget it kind of thing and that can cost us money over the long term. So that's what the silent spend with uh, FP Canada was really all about. And there were some statistics in there that that I thought were a little bit interesting. Like um, 64% of those surveyed charge their monthly subscriptions to a credit card.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, there's not a lot of ways to kind of pay for these subscriptions. It tends to default right to your credit card. But I think the bigger thing is that there's just so many subscriptions to choose from right now, from like Netflix and Disney and Spotify and Apple and anything you can imagine. Loot Crate boxes, samples, whatever you can have you. There is just an inundation of these subscription services that we just kind of pile and pile onto our credit card without even thinking about anymore.
0: Well, and your monthly subscription is someone else's revenue stream. So when you start thinking about it that way, it's in a company's interest to kind of get you hooked because they know it's going to be easier for you to just continue to make the payments, especially if you don't see them because they're going on through your credit card. And, you know, we don't always pull out the credit card statement every month and look through it line by line. So essentially, it kind of guarantees for a lot of these companies that their revenue will kind of go unchecked until you kind of go, oh, and then you have to take that extra step of either canceling the subscription or modifying what you've signed up for or things like that. And I think another thing to be aware of is annual subscriptions where you pay a lot upfront for a year. I mean, granted, in a lot of cases, you can get a discount. So that's a good thing. But then you really don't think about it. So it's not like, Even if you are monitoring your credit cards, you'll see this thing. It kind of just once a year, blank, it jumps on there. And then you kind of think, oh, I've already paid for this. I'm going to continue to use this service. But it leaves you with a very small window because a lot of these things won't refund you back or will give you a limited refund back, depending, of course, what the product is. Um, And it it all plays on our human nature and our inclinations to kind of go, oh, you know, I'll worry about that tomorrow kind of thing. And every tomorrow costs a little bit more money.
1: Oh, that's right. These companies, they kind of hope and anticipate that it it can just be too much work to cancel. We're kind of seeing that play out in a negative way with Netflix right now. But this is how it works with a good subscription service. You get locked in and you just keep chugging away the money every single month. And it just kind of turns into white noise when you look at your credit card
0: or you think I'll deal with that later, right? And that's one of the biggest tricks we like to play with ourselves. We basically say, oh, I'm just going to defer that. And then you defer it and defer it and defer it. And every time you defer it, it becomes easier to do. And you essentially say to yourself, oh, you know what? I've taken that one off my list for today. I'll do it again tomorrow. And then that tomorrow, again, can have cost you a whole bunch of money before you get there.
1: Yeah, so sometimes you just have to kind of rein in the subscriptions or instead of having like eight or nine of them running all at once just rotate one or two every single month i know a lot of people do this with like streaming services they'll just go one month in one place another month in another place because that's an easier way to kind of binge through everything rather than just having everything running all at once like i said there are so many subscriptions but when you're kind of looking later on and when we get to the no spend part of the challenge, it could be good to do an inventory of what you actually use, what you enjoy and what you would be more content with only having a couple months of the year rather than access all the time.
0: Oh, well, that's exactly it. You know, none of this is about sucking all the fun and joy out of our lives. It's all about managing our levels of enjoyment and what we actually do get for the hard-earned money that we're spending. And I think that that's a very good and healthy thing to do because the more money you can leave yourself with at the end of the day, the more things you can enjoy, right? So part of this idea and part of this taking an inventory of what's going on is really to just give yourself either additional purchasing power later so that you can have more things to do or some people will say, you know what, I am stressed about my finances. I am like identifying with that 51% that says they're concerned about their financial state. So maybe I have a debt I want to repay or maybe I have a short-term goal that I really want to reach and I want every dollar possible to focus on that. But before we get into the no spend part, let's kind of knock off a few of these other items that popped up in the FP Canada survey cuz I think they're interesting. So, this is something that, I mean, I'm guilty of. They said 54% of those surveys would add an additional item to get a perk like free shipping. So, of course, here we're talking about online shopping, but you know how it works. Oh, spend 150 bucks and you get 20 bucks off or something like that. And if you add up the most popular items in the cart, it's always going to be 20 or 30 dollars below that. So you find yourself spending another $50 to save $20, and then you're kind of scratching your head and say, okay, well, I I got more stuff, but I didn't really save any money. So that's one of the ways that it can kind of sneak in there.
1: Yeah, it could be free shipping. It could be a free hat. It could be all kinds of things. Like I've been guilty of this a few times with like DoorDash or Skip the Dishes. Just add one more thing for that free shipping because I just didn't want to drive the four blocks from the office to get it. (laughs)
0: they prey on our laziness that's for sure and hungry is a whole other category if you're hungry spending can be just completely off the table right and i mean i'll talk about one of my personal weaknesses absolutely is the lunch out like we'll talk about that in the no spend challenge
1: Oh, I was going to say I prefer doing the grocery shopping alone. It's cheaper that way.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, that's personal, Finance Canada. But yes, absolutely. I am very much guilty of being a hungry shopper that will put literally anything in my shopping cart. So there's certain periods of time during the day where I just cannot get anywhere near any kind of store that sells food unless I've eaten something prior. So a little bit of self-reflection there. And of course, a husband that reminds me pretty aggressively (laughs) that uh, maybe this isn't the time to do our grocery shopping for the week.
1: Well, speaking of wandering around the stores, uh, the study found out that 53% of people have been buying additional items while in the checkout. So I think you know what this is. So this is places like Walmart or Canadian Tire or Winners where you have to sneak your way through the little labyrinth of impulse deals, everything from entire camping sets to packs of gum, just waiting for you to grab while you're walking to the checkout.
0: Well, and have you noticed that these impulse aisles, they used to be just that little kind of caddy off to the side by the till. Now they are literally aisles. They are literally a maze through, especially if you do these self-checkout things, you have to go through this whole holding pattern of stuff. And I mean, if you're like us and you have a toddler with you, ooh, shiny, oh, that looks like fun, wow, that's candy. It can be so difficult to keep little hands out of buckets that are perfectly placed for little hands Uh, well, you're trying to just buy your $5 item and get out of the store. But, um, that's, I guess that's no surprise. It's by design and they are once again playing on your last minute. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I need this. Oh, that just looks like fun. Or, oh my goodness, my toddler just won't put this down and I need to get out of the store. So that can happen too. Um, and so then let's, let's move on to sales.
1: Yes, I think this is one that we are all guilty of. We're talking about how uh, 48% of people end up buying more than they expected or budgeted just because something is on sale.
0: Definitely. And I mean, I think there's different categories of this. I mean, food is one thing. And I mean, we justify this by saying I'm going to need this later. Then there's electronics or larger ticket items where you might say, oh, this is on sale. Let me level up to this next better item uh, because I'm getting a discount. And then you end up spending more than you would have otherwise, albeit you got a better product. But there's always going to be that little bit of, if it's going on the credit card, we've said this before, is it still a sale if you're paying that interest every month over month over month until the card gets paid off?
1: Yeah, it's that uh, FOMO kicking in when you're in the middle of a sale and you know you want it and you don't know if it'll ever come on sale again because some people will just think that way and panic and, oh, it's on sale today. It'll never come on sale again. But I know it's ridiculous, but this is kind of like the fundamental thoughts that kind of happen in the back of your head.
0: Well, and it plays on the I need it right now mentality, right? Because once you see it and you want it, Yeah, you don't want to wait for it to go back to full price and then maybe come back on sale again a few months later. You go, ah, now I want this. And of course, I want it now. I'm picturing myself. This is how the mentality of a sale works. You picture yourself enjoying that item now. And as soon as that thought has taken hold in your mind, it's very difficult to let go of it and go backwards because you've already seen yourself with your life being a little bit easier, a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more fulfilled if you've bought that item. Whether that's true or not is, of course, a completely different story, but these are the things that we tell ourselves, and this is how the psychology of it works. So in that sale, yes, absolutely, it's much easier to spend more money.
1: But on the flip side, though, if you actually do watch the sales and you're disciplined, it can actually be a good time to kind of get the things you want. Like I do this, I've got wish lists that I just kind of keep an eye on throughout the year, but I'm also very diligent and I have like thresholds of I will only strike when it gets to a certain level, not because it went down 5%, I'm waiting for it to come down like 30, 40%.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that can be a great thing, too. But I will throw out there that you're also the guy that will save his money to make sure that the cash is on hand, that when the sale does come, the money's there and available. So it's not going into a payment plan or onto the credit card.
1: yeah, and it's also just learning how the rhythms of sales work in different companies. Like I'll say this for like things like tech or video games. You've got the E3 rush in June, then you've got Black Friday, and you got Boxing Day, and there's usually a one quick one in the spring thrown in. But when you step back and you think, okay, there's three to four good times a year to get this stuff done. It's just about being well diligent and doing your research and knowing when to actually take action, rather than just being impulsive, running into Best Buy on Black Friday and just grabbing the biggest, shiniest thing you see, which may not actually be as good of a deal as you think it is.
0: Well, that's it. So sales can be a good thing if they're well-monitored, well-timed. And like you said, you've got the cash on hand and it's not an impulse. It's actually a planned purchase or something that really will be useful to you and enhance your life. Now, this next one surprised me a little bit. 41%. We're purchasing items through this buy now, pay later plan. Now, this is something that I remember from when I was a kid. You know, you'd see all those advertisements for like furniture stores and things like that, where it was like no payments until 20. 20 whatever, or I guess 2018 or something when you're younger. But uh,
1: (laughs) for for the record, it was 2005 and we took advantage of one of those buy now, pay later schemes (laughs) from a furniture store.
0: That's right. But I'm surprised not only that they're still around today, but also how popular they are and how they really do get a hold of people. And people love these things for big purchase items because they don't count the costs, right? They don't add up the total bill at the end of the day or look too deeply at the terms and conditions. They might see the, oh, my first six months is interest-free, no big deal. But you don't realize that on six months and one day, all of that interest is suddenly piled on, right? If you hadn't paid your balance or whatever the terms might be. So these things can be a little bit sneaky. They can be a little bit tricky and you really have to understand the contract you're signing For them to make sense. I mean, we recently put um, an air conditioner in our, our place here and we took advantage of a zero interest for a period of time, but we made sure we knew exactly when that period of time would expire so that we could pay off that bill in full before we got to that point. So used correctly, absolutely there's an advantage there, but if you wait till the very end, you can end up paying far more than that item could have otherwise cost.
1: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we've gone through this scheme twice, and both times we had it fully paid off before the date kicked in for a lot of people, they'll just see that, oh, I got two years to worry about this. And then all of a sudden two years come up and all of a sudden you're buried under the interest when you could have avoided all of that unnecessary interest payments and spending. If you just took advantage of what the system could have been used for, for your benefit.
0: That's right. So it's a little bit of a game, right? You're essentially trying to figure out how to save yourself the most money and how to save your family the most money so that again, you can get more stuff or have more better experiences because you're not seeing all of your cash flow go towards debt payments. So let's come down to what we really wanted to talk about today. And that is something called a no spend challenge. Now, this has kind of come in and out of popularity. And we're certainly not the first people to talk about this. This is a concept that's been around for quite some time. And a no-spend challenge in its core is that it's a period of time where you essentially say, for this length of time, I am not going to spend any money on anything except what is absolutely essential for my survival.
1: So prime rib? (laughs)
0: that's right okay so is barbecue season off the table for uh, no spend challenges is that what you're trying to tell me oh
1: my goodness
0: so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to cut down to bare bones so yes this is an exercise in frugality so no prime rib no expensive coffees all of that stuff but I like to preface no-spend challenges with something that I call a observational challenge, which is a little bit different because I found that if you throw someone the idea of starting a no-spend challenge, they'll go, oh, spend nothing. No way, I can't do that. And they'll never start it. So there's two things that I like to do first. The first thing is the most popular no-spend challenge that I've seen is the 30-day challenge, where people are are somehow thinking <laughs> that they can go cold turkey and not spend a penny more than they have to for an entire month, and I think they've lost their marbles, to be very honest. It's very, very, very hard to do if that's something that you are not accustomed to. So what I prefer is a no-spend challenge that builds gradually, and that can eventually, you pick and choose the parts you like and translate it into your lifestyle, But let's start back at the beginning. So I like to start with a seven-day challenge. And my first seven-day challenge is actually not a no-spend challenge. It's what I call a seven-day observational challenge. And here's how it works. What I'll tell people to do is to take out the payment method that they use the most. So whether it's your credit card, whether it's your debit card, whether it's your phone and you use Google Pay or whatever it might be, whatever method that you're used to, find a way of on that method of payment. So if it's a card, tape a little note to yourself on it and just write seven day observational challenge. And every time you pull out that card and you wanna make a payment, you're forcing yourself to take a moment and think. You're forcing yourself to stop and say, what am I spending this on? Now, for the seven-day observational challenge, you spend the money anyways. This is just to get you to think. It's just to get you to stop and be mindful of your patterns. And when people spend that first week observing themselves, they kind of go, oh, I didn't realize at three o'clock every day, man, I'm going down to the coffee shop and I'm putting a donut on there too. And they start to see how their energy flows and how their work cycle and how just the flow of their day has these very predictable patterns built into it because we are if nothing else creatures of habit at the end of the day i believe that absolutely fundamentally and i think that the first thing to do to kind of break the mold before you even try and stop spending is to just see where that money is going Where are you when you're most likely to open your wallet? What time of day is it? What are you feeling at the time? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you stressed out? Is there a deadline right around the corner? Is there something you're trying to avoid by taking a pause, going out and walking around the store for a minute and you inevitably... Spend a few bucks to make yourself feel a little bit better about some of the other pressures. Because like we've said before, spending is just another way of asserting control that people try and do in their lives, especially when they're under all of these numbers of emotional pressures that we all face on a daily basis so for the seven day challenge and if it's your phone that you use for payments i'll have people change their lock screens so it'll say seven day observational challenge and when you pick up your phone and you click your button to pay it flashes in front of you and there's that point of mindfulness so you're not at the point of making a decision like you would be with the no spend challenge but you're at a point of observation. And I will say to people, okay, through that week, at the end of the day, you don't have to write it down. Some people love journaling. Other people, it's not really their thing. But just take that two minutes to think through what you did that day, and where the money went, and more importantly, how much money went to the small things. Was it just a few bucks? Maybe that's not material. Maybe that's fine in your lifestyle. But if it was $20 here, $30 there, $50 there, maybe that's something that could be redirected into something more productive.
1: Yeah. And if you don't like the journaling, you can always just do a selfie. Just hold the receipt. And just if you're tired, look tired. If you're hungry, look hungry. And just give yourself these little reminders. Because the whole point of the observation side is to help you interrupt your routine. Because like Christine said, we kind of get stuck on the same path, walking the same loop every single day, and it's easy to kind of put the blinders on. But when you do the observational challenge, it helps you kind of pull your head out of the fog a little bit to see where you are. Like Christine said, it's three o'clock, you're groggy, you're tired, you walk down to the coffee shop and there's your coffee. And then, oh, you got to get a donut while you're there. Then, oh, wait, why am I being asked for a 25% tip post tax? (laughs)
0: Tipping is a whole other conversation, eh? But yes, and then I will recommend that as soon as that seven-day observational challenge is done, that you step right in into your seven-day no-spend challenge. So there's a couple important points here. The first thing is I like to keep it to seven days for the first time you do it because it's a week. It's a unit of time that we're used to as a measure. Each day is a little bit different depending on your work schedule, your recreation schedule, how you spend If you have a traditional weekend or other days off, it's your normal cycle. So we want to see one normal weekly cycle for you. And essentially, it will tell you, like we said, what your patterns are. And if you've gone straight from a week of observation, you're already attuned to your spending. You're already aware of your spending. So now it's not just, oh, I can't spend any money. You've been spending a week switching your brain a little bit into, aha, Oh, this is what I do at this time of the day. Oh, well, this is what I do on Tuesdays at 2 o'clock. Oh, this is what I do at 8.30. This is what I do when I've missed breakfast. This is what I do when I didn't pack my lunch. That kind of thing.
1: <laughs> this is what I do when that one coworker walks by and I slip up for two hours.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's right. We all have our triggers. But... Being aware of the triggers is the most important part. So, when you start your no spend challenge, I would say this a no spend challenge, like we said at its core, are only spending on the essentials and stripping every other thing out. And the most important things to take away from this are how much money did you save? So, I think that the most important part for the no spend challenge is to have some kind of tracking measure in place. And it works best if you do it on a daily basis. Because if you leave it all to the end of the week, my goodness, nothing will get done. And you might not learn very much about yourself. Because really that's the point of this exercise. It's to understand yourself a little bit better. It's to understand why you're doing what you're doing or if you're even aware of it. Or are you just on autopilot? Or is it just like we've said before, you sit down at your computer, you're a little bit bored, you're a little bit tired. Ooh, I'm my favorite online retailer. I'm just going to spend a few bucks and not even think about it until the credit card comes in the mail. And then the second part of this is like Cam had alluded to earlier, a credit card audit during this period of time is a great way to see the things that you don't see on your day-to-day. So like we were saying, those subscriptions, um, you'll be more aware of the impulse items, you'll be more aware of those types of purchases, but all of the things that have kind of snuck their way in and have a charge attached to them, it's just evaluating the amount of value and joy that they bring to your life. It's evaluating the amount of value and happiness for those dollars spent is it worth it? Is it equivalent? Or is there something else that's stressing you out, that's pressing you, that's on your mind that you feel like you want to focus on instead? And a lot of people that gravitate towards things like no-spend challenges are people that have an immediate need that is really, really, really bothering them. And in a lot of cases, it's a debt. That has to be repaid or it's feeling like they're being absolutely crushed by inflation and there's no money left and knowing that one little tiny setback will put their whole month out of whack so when you're at that edge and you're at that line and you're feeling the financial stress, having an understanding of where the money is going becomes absolutely crucial because it's really the only way to manage kind of the ins and outs, right? And especially the invisible ones, the silent ones, the ones that we don't necessarily see all the times or the habits that we ignore because you think it's only two bucks here, two bucks there, but it compounds over time.
1: Well, it can compound over time, but even then, things keep going up in price. So a lot of those subscriptions where you started off, it was like 7 or $8, it could be like $19, $20 right now. Because even if the Bank of Canada gets its way and by the end of next year, inflation's down to 2%, the... 18 to 24 month difference in inflation could still be north of 10%. So part of this is just being defensive and just trying to get ready for the fact that even if inflation slows down, we are still stuck with much higher prices than everything was, well, a year and a half ago. And it's just going to continue. Like even us, we found out yesterday our property taxes are going up 17 and a half percent. And it's like that across the board with absolutely everything. So going through this no spend challenge is kind of a good way to kind of help you trim some of the fat around your budget or to help you reprioritize the things you actually enjoy and bring some goodness into your life despite the crushing inflation.
0: And I think the goal of a no spend challenge is really to identify what needs to change. In my mind, even if you just start with seven days, the idea would be to identify those key things that are a drain on your finances that you do decide you want to stop. And then you can focus on changing those habits, changing those behaviors, and trying to make that a permanent way of life. So a no-spend challenge for me is not just about the period of time that you've allocated to not spending extra money. It's really about an audit. what and why you're spending your money and what you're spending it on, right? And really just understanding what can I cut so that there's more to deal with these additional pressures that we're facing with all this inflation with everything else. And I think the goal is to build a lifestyle that you're ultimately happy with. And I mean, I can speak to kind of our own personal experiences. When we were younger, we didn't call it a no spend challenge. We called it, hey, this is just how we live our lives. We
1: we called it no spend ever.
0: <laughs> no spend ever. We were pretty frugal back in the day before we had kids, and maybe that's a key there too. But um we would try to not spend money at all, right? We would try to go to the mall as little as possible. Online shopping wasn't that big of a thing way back then in the day.
1: (laughs) I wore the same clothes for 70 years at a time.
0: And I mean, so did I. Like we very rarely bought new items. So we would essentially try and reuse everything that we had until it was absolutely worn out. Um, The cars we drove and still drive now are pretty dated, that kind of thing, right? So it's kind of integrating something like this into your life slowly and steadily, so parts of it. Because of course you're gonna have regular spending patterns, you're gonna have social patterns, you're gonna have recreational activities that are gonna cost some money. But I think that the key with anything like this It all comes down to building a life that you enjoy that doesn't need heavy spending. And I think a lot of that comes down to the social circles that you have, the people that you interact with on a regular basis, what their habits are as well, because those are hugely influential to what you'll want to do, right? I mean, if you have friends that you're okay coming over for a snack and some games or just hanging out in the backyard, that's one thing. If you have a group of friends that you meet at the bar every Thursday or Friday, that's a completely different space pattern. So really, it's an evaluation of, of everything and how your life works together with your finances. Because we kind of think of finances as just, oh, you know, I make money to fuel my life. But life is getting more and more expensive. So we have to integrate them together on a more holistic level where your social, your relational, your hobbies are all in a place where It really doesn't cost a lot of money to have the enjoyment that you want to get out of your life. And I think that's how a lot of people find ways to get ahead or to get ahead of a debt that's been bothering them or to get out of the hole where they're trying to save an emergency fund that they just can't seem to get away from these emergencies that keep happening. It really is a lifestyle shift. And I mean, we can talk a little bit more about the mechanics of a no-spend challenge on the Facebook page. If people are interested in having that discussion, just hit us up there and we can talk through the details of how they work. But I think for today, it was really just creating that idea of what would it look like for you if you took a break from spending money? And if you took a break from anything non-essential, could you do it? Would you want to do it? Is that a way you'd want to live your life? Is there other ways that you can find enjoyment in your life outside of spending money? And are those important enough to you that you could build a great life that doesn't cost a lot? So... Those are kind of our thoughts today as we went through FP Canada's original survey as well as the no spend challenge that has been very popular, kind of on and off throughout the years. Um, of course, we'd issue our own no spend challenge to you. So if you want to hop on the Facebook group, let's talk about doing a seven day observational challenge followed by a seven day no spend challenge. And I mean, I can talk through, we'll do one ourselves and we'll kind of talk through how it's going. And if anyone wants to join us and let us us know how theirs are going as well we'd be happy to get your feedback see what's working see what's not and we can lay out a little bit more uh, ground rule work if you'd like but i mean it's pretty well as easy as as we've talked about here so that's it for the week and uh as always if you'd like to talk to us about your personal finances you can find us at brawn financial dot if you're in the bc area feel free to reach out to us and we're always happy to help so until the next time take care
1: and all the best.